Wow. <laughs> we love you guys, and uh, it's, uh, it is just a massive privilege to, uh, to serve with you and to go on this exciting journey. Wasn't that exciting with the new church there? That's so exciting, and so please be assured of our prayers. Uh, Brian, you're, you're so kind, and, uh, and Anne, it's just, a, it's just a beautiful, beautiful opportunity this last couple of years, well, this last 18 months to get to know you guys, and uh, uh, we're, we're loving it. We're loving getting to know you, and I uh, look forward to getting to know you more. Uh, uh, Brian's right. Uh, we, uh, we just have this amazing uh, privilege I've been able to serve Jesus. We've been married uh, 28 years this year. We're both in our early 50s and uh, spent many, many times. We met at Bible college, or in those days, we used to call it bridal college. And, uh, and so that's where we met, and we've had this uh, great journey of being able to serve, serve God together and uh, pastoring churches. And uh, three years ago, three or four years ago, God laid on our hearts uh, a real different direction, a call on our lives, which we just couldn't ignore. Uh, and that is to set up a ministry called Encourage, Encourage International. And Encourage International, if you know your New Testament, is a guy in the Bible called Barnabas who just lived his life to support churches and encourage churches and to teach in churches. And we just felt God was saying, uh, for the rest of your lives, we want you to be, I, I want you to be a Barnabas. And so uh, for that's what we've been doing the last three years. We've been teaching and training churches and, and leadership teams all over the world, and which, is, which is just amazing, and we're having a great time. And so it's great to be able to journey with you. Uh, and I'm loving this cafe church. I'm, I'm a bit of a wanderer uh, as well, but I've been told I'm not allowed to come down here because it wrecks the sound. So uh, I'm going to have to stay up here. So I am a bit of a wanderer. So if you kind of think you're at a tennis match, then please put up your hand and say, Kevin, can you stand still just for one moment? Uh, but I do like to, to wander. But you're in the middle of a uh, kind of, uh, you're in the middle of a series on the Sermon on the Mount, Yeah. And I think next week is going to be the, 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 the last week. Last week you had James. Uh, we've been staying with James and Joni for the last couple of days. And they're a great couple, aren't they? Uh, and I listened to the message on the podcast. And what a great, great message. Crossing over the line. Uh, that's what uh, last week. So we're going to follow on from that in, in the narrative of Matthew five. And, uh, you've been, uh, Matthew five to seven, you've been looking at this incredible Sermon on the Mount series. It's been dubbed the world's greatest sermon, uh, at Matthew chapter 5 to 7. And it starts this, and you would have done this, so I don't want to just kind of look back, but I, I do want to just focus here just for a moment. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on top of the mountainside and sat down, and then it says his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, we don't know whether Jesus went up on the mountainside to get away from the crowds, or to get a better vantage point to teach the crowds, and we also don't know whether it was just the disciples who came up the mountainside, or when Jesus began to teach them, there were other people around as well. But the point is, the Jesus went up onto the mountain, he sat down, and then he says his disciples went 
up to Jesus. So his disciples decided to remove themselves from the popularity of the crowd and go to be with Jesus. And as they went to be with Jesus and they sat with Jesus, Jesus then began to teach them the very essence and truth of what it meant to walk with him and what life should be like in the kingdom of God. The reason I want to start there, and we'll keep coming back to this time and time again throughout this message, is that the, the because we're going to come to read some very hard passages, we're going to read some very hard verses, and at times it's hard to get your head around, but it only makes sense in a relationship with Jesus. When you come to Jesus, it only becomes possible when you are living close to Jesus or else they just become a whole host of rules and regulations because Jesus through this message and especially where we get to today uh, they're not easy things to hear that you kind of think when you read some of these this is pretty tough this is tough going this is not a picnic this is not easy living how how do we unravel this how do we live with this kind of standard and jesus hits the disciples with teaching which is straight between the eyes and uh, straight down the line kingdom truth teaching and now there's a reason why he did this and we'll come to that in just a moment so where where you got to in the in the in the kind of the story of the incredible sermon is Matthew 7. Now, I don't know whether you normally follow on the screen uh, or whether you have a Bible in front of you, but I'd like to read to you some verses from Matthew chapter 7, reading from verse 13 to 23. This is quite hard to get a head around. Jesus says to them, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow. The word there literally means the road of affliction. The road, that road leads to life. Who would like to go on the road of affliction? Well, Jesus says that's the road that leads to life. I told you it was hard. Uh, That's the road that leads to, to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Ah, some pretty heavy duty stuff there. Uh, and, and of course, we're not going to be able to get through all of that in this next 25 uh, minutes. I, I want to set you a challenge at the start of this message. I, I want you to, at some point during this week, read these words again 
but read it through the lens I'm about to speak about. Because I'm going to speak, because sometimes as preachers there is a temptation that we just give ought to sermons. So uh, the preacher stands up and he says, you ought to be doing this in your life. Or you ought to be doing that. And you ought to be doing the other. And at the end of the service, people are saying, Pastor, I know what I ought to do, but how do I do it? Uh, You know, and you feel a little bit condemned because you kind of think, how does this all fit into my life? It's too much. What I want to do today is I've read these really, really uh, intense scriptures. But what I want to do is not just to give you an ought to message. I want to give you a how to. I want to give you how it is possible to live by the the standard of Jesus uh, and live in victory. And then what I want you to do this week is at some point I want you to read these verses again, but through the lens of what I'm sharing with you this morning. And then you'll be able to find, you'll find your way in being able to say, actually, yeah, this is possible. Because without, without this lens that we're going to talk about this morning, these things are not possible. You see, for the disciples who were, who were listening uh, to this message for the first time, it would have been a, a moment of recalibration in their life, in their thinking, because there are things that Jesus says that would have flipped around some of the things that they were taught. Because at that time, there would have been a lot of false teaching around. There would have been a lot of false prophets. There would have been a lot of uh, uh, kind of uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. There would have been a lot of people saying a lot of things that actually were just not true. There, there, were, there, would, be, there would be Pharisees who were wearing the cloak of, of re- religious leadership, but actually were only interested in keeping people in their place. Whereas Jesus came to allow people to find their place in him. And whilst all this was going on, Jesus comes and says, hey, there's there's another way. You see, in those days, the disciples would have known that. There was a teaching going around that was saying, if you're rich, you're blessed by God. And you're bound to get to heaven. But if you're poor... You're despised by God. In some way, you and your family have upset God, uh, and so you're despised. And Jesus flips that around and says, no, 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 no. No. There would have been, there would have been those who were, were claiming that to have status in life was to have surety in the next life and surety in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus saying, no, that's not how the kingdom works. And as I say, we're not going to be able to go through all of these straight away and in one go, but I want to just pick out a few things as we go through, but through this different lens. And this is the lens that I want to look at, is that everything that Jesus asks us to do, he does from the understanding that he has a, and Brian said it before, he has a purpose for our lives to allow our lives to thrive. Uh, I shared this with the leadership team a, a wee while ago. Let me just share it again. Uh, Michelle and I, are, uh, earlier on last year, had this uh, great privilege of being able to go uh, on this uh, study tour with, with an Old Testament, with a group of uh, Old Testament students and an Old Testament scholar who took us on this journey 
through, through the Middle East, uh, started in Egypt, into Jordan and into Israel. And we retrace the steps as far as possibly can of the Old Testament Exodus. You know, remember when, when Moses took the people of God out of Egypt, out of captivity, and led them through the wilderness to the promised land. And so we, with our backpacks on, we physically walked the journey as far as we possibly can. Phenomenal, incredibly hard, but phenomenal journey. Now, the, the trip, uh, the, the, the tour, uh, the, the trek started in Egypt. And we learned at that time, again, the, the prominence and the, and the power of Egypt in, in, in Old Testament times or in biblical times. And we learned that the, the pharaohs, that, who were the false gods, the pharaohs built things like the pyramids. Some of you may have been to the pyramids. They built the pyramids so big in order for man to feel so small. Think about that. They, they, they built things so big in order to intimidate man and make man feel so small. We started the tour in, in, in Egypt with that understanding. We ended the tour, although it was an Old Testament tour, you can't help but collide with Jesus. And we ended the tour in a little cave on the outskirts of Bethlehem where once again we sat in the dust and we, we sang and we prayed and we cried together and we remembered again that we have a God who is so big, who became so small in order to bring significance back to you and I. Notice the difference there? The, 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 the false gods of the pharaohs made things so big to intimidate us, to make us feel so small. God, who is so big, let me ask you a question, how big is God? Anybody want to show? How big's God? Come on, come on, just give me some, give me some words that describe God. How big's God? A good, no, well, well, let's let's take it down a level then. You know, like, is, is he fairly big? Is he bigger than fairly big? Is he bigger than fairly fairly big? Is he really big? Is he bigger than really really big? Is he huge? Is he bigger than huge? Is he bigger than huge, huge? <laughs> How big is he? <laughs> is he bigger than enormous? Well, of course he is. You know, God is like, you can't describe it. So, so the pharaohs built things so big in order to make us feel so small. God, who is so big became so small in the person of Jesus in order to bring significance back to our lives. That's the lens in which we must read these passages. Because when the disciples came to Jesus and we hear about life in the kingdom of God, it only, it only becomes possible when we get an understanding of who God is and how he relates to our lives. Again, I, I shared this with the leadership team. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me share it a, again. I, I think I learned so much from, from re-understanding this. Uh, in, in those days in Egypt, uh, the, 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 the main gods, 
false gods, of course, but the main gods were the pharaohs. But they had other gods that they used to, all false, of course. And one of the gods and goddesses that they used to put their trust in was the goddess uh, Mahat. The goddess Mahat was was false god, of course, but was the goddess of order. And God, the goddess of the rhythm of life. And so Egypt was built around the Nile. Uh, and they had three seasons. They had flood season. They had receding season when the floods receded. And then they had harvest. Flood, receding, 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 harvest. And that's how they believed life should happen. And that's how they became wealthy. But every so often, the seasons went a little bit skew-if, as seasons sometimes do. And when the seasons went a little bit skew-if, when the, when the seasons went out of, uh, out of kilter, uh, uh, the pharaoh thought that somebody would have upset the goddess Mahat, who was the goddess of order, uh, and literally heads would roll. Someone would have to pay with their life. Uh, because they thought that someone has upset the gods uh, and someone had to pay for it. Now, when, when God took his people who were slaves in Egypt and he took them out of Egypt and they headed towards the promised land, but they spent all those years, 40 years, in the wilderness, which was harsh in the wilderness, God had to recalibrate their thinking again. He had to reshape their thinking And one of the things that he had to do is to allow them to understand that God is not Mahat. And God never promises Mahat, but God is a God of Shalom. Some of you know what Shalom means. Shalom means peace. That God, true God, the one true God, is a God of peace. Peace, uh, if you like, it, for, from God's perspective, is different than the world's peace. The world will say that peace is the absence of conflict. And so when two nations are not at war with each other, that we, we say that they're in a time of peace. So peace, from the world's perspective, is the absence of conflict. But that's not what God says. For God, shalom, which is, which is true peace, is not just the absence of conflict, it is the presence of everything that is good. Again, notice the difference. It's not just the absence of conflict, it is the presence of everything that is good. Now, ultimately, the Bible tells us that ultimately it is God who is good. So think about this. If peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of everything that is good, and ultimately it is God who is good, true peace, ultimate peace, is nothing short of the presence of God. And, and, and when the people of God were, were, were coming out of Egypt, out of all this system, and they were wandering around in the desert and it was hard for them, God was recalibrating their thinking and, and to allow them to understand that God, and it's the same for us, it was the same for those disciples as they were sat with Jesus on that mountainside of the Beatitudes, 
And on that beautiful mountainside there over Lake Galilee, as Jesus was teaching them, it's the same for them, and it's the same for us. God does not promise us Mahat. He never promises us that nothing will ever go wrong. He never promises that the road will, will, will never have a kink in it. He never promises us that, that nothing will ever be a challenge in our lives. God doesn't promise that. Because we know that's not life. We know that actually, and God knows that actually sometimes redundancy happens. We know that sickness comes into families. We know that there's struggles sometimes with finances. We know that there's struggles with, with relationships. And, and, and all these things are happening in our lives. And God doesn't promise us is that actually everything is going to be perfect. He doesn't promise us Mahat. But what he promises us is Shalom. He promises that whatever season we're in, whatever we're walking through, whether we've got sickness in the family, or we've got relationship things going on, or whether we've got, we got difficulty in finances, or, or whatever area, God promises that even though the road is narrow, and the road sometimes gets tough, even so, God is on the road with us. And God offers us his perfect peace. And his perfect peace is his presence with us. And so when we read the words that actually narrow is the way, and that simply says the road of affliction, and broad is the way, uh, well, we kind of think, well, let's take the broad way. Let's take that road of least resistance. Let's take the easy route in life. But God says, listen, even though you walk through challenging times, I'm going to be, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. You see, Jesus says to his disciples, there is a gate to go through and that road to travel down that does lead to the abundance of life. There is a way to live internally that bears good fruit. There is a posture and a stance to take in life that leads to kingdom living and kingdom reigning. But it's more than just paying lip service to God. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. There's more than, there's more than just paying lip service to God. It's about aligning. It's about understanding that God wants to be on our journey. And then it's about aligning our lives with him. Because God's intention is clear. God wants to do life with you. He wants to do life with me. This week, God is desperate to do life with you. He's going to do everything he possibly can to do life with you. So God's intention is clear. He, because he's so big, he became so small. Why? Because he wants to do life with us. So whatever you face this week, whatever is going on in your world, never, never lose the, the essence that God wants to do life with you. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that actually then, then we need to align ourselves with him in our, in our lives. It's more than just paying lip service to God. It's more than just taking the road of least resistance. It's, it's more than just having the appearance of having it all together. It's more than just saying and doing the right things. But it is about remembering two things. It's about remembering that God walks on the journey with us. He puts peace on, our, peace on our path, whatever our path is at that time. Even though it's hard sometimes, God's presence and peace is always with us. And secondly, as we seek 
He seeks to connect with us. We connect with, with him. See, in the reading, Jesus, Jesus makes it clear unmistakably. And this is hard reading sometimes. Jesus makes it clear that, that actually it's more than just saying Jesus is Lord. Every single one of us in this room this morning can sing Jesus is Lord. We can say Jesus is Lord. And, and what Jesus is saying is that there's a, there's a great distinction between just saying Jesus is Lord and actually Jesus being Lord and choosing to do the will of the for, Father. The, the word Lord in the passage is a specific Greek word, and it's this word. It, it, it simply mean, It's the word kurios, which simply means supreme controller. So we can sing that Jesus is Lord, but he only becomes Lord when he becomes the supreme. He only becomes Lord when he becomes the supreme controller. And that's a, that's a difficult thing for most of us, because most of us like to be in control, don't we? Most of us like to be in control of our lives, but actually he only becomes Lord when we hand over the controls of our life to him. But he comes to us on the road. He makes it possible. There's a beautiful little verse in, in the Old Testament, and it's 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, and it says this. He says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, that word strengthen is the word kazak. Turn to somebody on your table and say, How's your kazak going? You could turn back to them and say, well, I went to the, I went to the pharmacy about it, and he said, it's fine. No, but, you know, so it's the word, it's the word kazak. The word kazak is the word for strength, and it simply means this. It means to, to fasten to something bigger than yourself. And so, so he says here in 2 Chronicles 69, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen, excuse me, those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So it's, it's God is committed to, 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 to fastening, he's so big, we've said that before, fastening in, in his life to our life. The eyes of the Lord roam to and forth crumbling this week to seek to Kazakh those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So when Jesus says, listen, it's all, about, it's all about aligning our will with his. It's all about our heart. It's all about bearing the right fruit. It's always about on the right road. It's not just about paying lip service. But when we do that, uh, when our hearts are committed to him, God seeks to strengthen our lives. Who would like God's strength this week? Give me a wave. Well, the Bible tells us there's a way to do it. And that's align our heart to, to him. God wants to connect with us, and, and I've got a. I, I reckon we we we're a generation that understands connection. Uh, we do understand connection, and uh, the reason I know that we understand connection because, uh, listen, who's ever seen one of these before? <laughs> I, I, let, let me be honest with you. Most of you sat here. You can't get a week through a week without one of these, can you? Some of you had this by your bed last night. Yeah, because some of us can't even. Yeah, some of us can't even get through a day without one of these. So we understand. We understand the. Uh, we're a, we're a culture of connectors. 
You know, you go to any place now. You go on the, you know, in the in the UK, you know, on the on the public transport. In the, in, in I'm sure it's the same over here. You know, on, on the trains and the buses now, they've got connection points under the seat. You know, you know, I. This is how this is this is how glamorous my life is. Last Saturday, I had a I had a meeting with somebody. I had to meet somebody, another leader. This is how glamorous it was. We met in McDonald's. That's as good as it gets, you know. And and so Saturday morning, Saturday morning, ten o'clock, I go into McDonald's, and there's Saturday morning, and I look around, and everybody's connected. Everybody's plugged in, so we understand the power of. The power of connection. But I wonder, I, I wonder, I wonder whether that plays in our week a more prominent place than understanding our connection with God. I wonder. I wonder whether it play, plays a more prominent place. Last time I was in Dublin, uh, maybe a month ago, I was walking through the airport uh, on the way back to the UK, and I was walking to my gate, and I, I, I passed a guy who was slumped by the wall, and he was plugged in, you know, his, his tablet was plugged in, so he was using uh, Dublin Airport's electricity, and so he was plugged in with his tablet, and I noticed he was FaceTiming somebody. I, normal sight. Now, I'm not a technical guy, I'm not really a, a technological guy, but... But, but I remember when, when FaceTime, you know FaceTime, the video thing, where you don't just speak to people on the phone now, you can actually see them face to face. Anybody use that? Or Skype or whatever it is, you speak to the grandkids or whatever, you know. And I remember when that first came out, and so Michelle and I do a lot of traveling. And uh, we often not only in different places, we're often in different countries. And so, so having the FaceTime where you can see each other, we thought this is beautiful. We could follow each other around the house. You know, I, I, I even once, you know, uh, brownie points for this, but, but, but I think Michelle was in Australia, uh, and, and I was, uh, I was Cyprus or the UK, I think it was in the UK, and time difference and all that, but I made myself a Sunday, a Sunday lunch. Proper full, you know, full works, you know. Roast potatoes and everything. Laid a tablecloth on the table. Flowers, candles on the table. And then, and then what I did, I did all this. And then, and then, then I got Michelle on the FaceTime and I propped Michelle up on the table. And then we had a romantic dinner together. Other side of, and it's like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but that was, that was great. You know, FaceTime is so exciting. But then after a while, you still use it and you still understand that you can use it, but it just becomes routine. Back to this guy at Dublin Airport. And I was walking to my gate and I was just passing this guy and I noticed he was FaceTiming somebody. But as I walked past, something struck me. And as it struck me, I just felt the Spirit speak to me as well. The Spirit of God. Because the guy, whoever he was communicating with on FaceTime, think about this. He was signing he was signing. Now think about that for a moment. Does it occur to you what it occurred to me? Here's something that I take so much for granted all the time. But for this guy, for this guy, it was a lifeline. Because he couldn't speak to anybody on the phone. And to have FaceTime there 
was that's a lifeline. And I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and say, Kevin, has, has that how you've come become with me? That actually you take this so much for granted? You take my connection with you so much for granted? You take that I can, would be on your walk and I want to be with you so much for granted? Or am I a lifeline to you? And I just, as I walked to my flight, to, to get my flight, courtesy of good old Ryanair, back to the UK, and I just had this swimming around in my mind, that's how I want to live. I want to live with, with, with understanding the, the divine connection of God upon my week, even though it's a tough road sometimes, even though the week's going not as well as I'd wanted it to, even though stuff happens, am I understanding that actually I have this incredible privilege of being able to connect with God and his presence can fill me? You see, we can say Jesus is Lord all the time. We can say that we're a Christian. We can sing some songs and we can do all that. We make some great bold claims on a Sunday. But on a weekday, when it's going tough, it has to be more than just saying a few things. It has to change from the, from the inside out. Jesus says, and I begin to kind of come to, come to a land... Jesus says that a good tree bears good fruit. He says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. What does that mean? It it means that actually if we're going to produce the kind of fruit in our lives that is healthy, sustainable, to live the way we're supposed to live, to have that kingdom life that God's asked us to live, if this is going to change our lives so much that actually uh, it, it is from here to eternity, then it has to be from the inside. The only way that is, is that divine connection strength actually has to come and not only just every so often connect with us, but actually it has to change us. If you give me five minutes, I want to close with an illustration of how this works. Can I have three volunteers? Don't, don't worry, we're not going to... I just need... Because, because the Bible says... Thank you, Mary. Uh, the Bible says, I was teaching this at Salter. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, Oh, Gail, thank you. I wonder if you could both all stand up, because I'm not allowed to come down there, because it'll set alarms off. But uh, So the Bible says that we are... Because we're talking about connection. We're talking about how God wants to, to interact in our lives, not to bring us peace, but actually to change our lives, to bear the fruit that we're supposed to. And I was, I was speaking about this at, uh, at St. Mark's and in the week at Salt, because the Bible talks about, or, or, or actually, it, it, when God created us, he created us body, soul, and spirit. So we, we are tripart. So actually, let's have a look at this. We have, we have a body. What a quite a handsome body, but he's a body. Okay? So we, 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 we have a body. And our body is, is that kind of, well, that's our body, isn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of what's open to the natural elements. 
And so we see, we smell, we touch. It, it's open to all this stuff out there. It's, a, it's, a, it's our body, handsome body, but it's a body. Uh, but then the Bible says we have a soul. Our soul is, is really kind of what makes us uniquely us. It's our, it, it's our uh, will and emotions and, uh, and all, all that makes us uniquely us. That's really kind of what, you know, when we make the decisions, that, that's what makes us us. Will, emotions, all that stuff. And then the Bible also says, oh, when God created man, he also breathed into man his breath. And so we, now we, we have a, the, the way we're supposed to work is we have a spirit. And our spirit is the, is the part of us that connects us to God. But so we, we, have, a, we have a body that kind of does all the touchy-feely stuff out here in terms of kind of the natural senses. We have a soul, which is all our kind of seat of our emotions of everything. And then we have a spirit that connects us to God. When sin comes into our life and we turn away from God, what happens is that actually we make Gale redundant. We, we say to Gale, we say to our spirit, actually you are now deadened to, to effect what's going on in, in, in this life. And so Gail now has to play that redundant part. And so now, <coughs> for our soul, thank you, for our soul to function, the only partner our soul has, Mary has, is, is our body. And so what happens now is that actually our body begins to control things. Broad is the way. Wow, what a all that stuff out there I can do and I can indulge in all that stuff and, and that's great. And, and so now he's like, party time. And, and so, so because Mary, because our soul's got no one to, to else to con, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of work with or partner with, then our soul, our body begins to affect our soul. And so our decisions are made by actually just the natural senses. And because it's all easy and we just want an easy path or we just want a party or we just want to do all that. And, and so because there's nowhere else. And that's what gets us into trouble. Because we just want to take the road of least resistance. We don't want hard times. The Holy Spirit, meanwhile, while this is going on, the Holy Spirit is still at work. The Holy Spirit is hovering around, and he's trying to, he, he's trying to, to kind of you know, work in, 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 in this relationship. And, uh, but then uh, you know, Mary begins to understand that there's something happening here, and, and, and she comes to that point where the Spirit leads her to understand that actually this is not working. And, and the Spirit leads her to that point of believing in Jesus. And so now Jesus comes. Because now there's been a barrier here, but Jesus comes and dies on the cross. And what he does is he takes away all this stuff that's been in this, and he, and, and he takes it away. And what happens is, is, is his Holy Spirit comes and now comes and fills Gale. So now our spirit that's been redundant is filled with his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And so now Gail is brought back into the family. And so now the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. So now our party man 
He wants to do whatever he wants to do. But now Gail's got a... So, so Mary's now got a new partner, Gail. So our soul now is influenced. And the more that, the more that, 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 that our soul is, is influenced by the connection. So this is the connection point to God. We've been talking about connection. The more that our soul is connected to God, the more that, that the Holy Spirit working through our spirit begins to affect our decisions and our decisions begin to affect how we behave. And now we're behaving and producing good fruit. So much so that Gail comes now and stands as the predominant partner. And, and, and that's how now, even though sometimes the road is hard, even though now sometimes the road is tough, even though sometimes stuff happens, we know we have a God who is with us by his presence. And actually... As, as we've been making decisions in our life, when we choose to go through him, when we choose to go through the spirit, when we choose to go through Jesus, when we choose to walk with him and have his presence with us, that begins to healthily affect the fruit of our lives. And that's what produces the fruit. When Jesus writes, thank you, these beautiful, beautiful body, soul and spirit, thank you. Why do I take time to say all that? Because you can only produce good fruit from the inside out. You can only produce good fruit when you're connected to the source, when you're in that environment of the presence and the peace of God. When the presence and the peace of God is the major influence uh, in our lives because now the Spirit of God's living in us and he connects us to heaven. He connects us to the heavenly resources. Now we can start making good decisions that produce good fruit. You can go on the Broadway. I'm not talking about Broadway. Uh, I'm talking about the Broadway in terms of the road of least resistance. Uh, We can try and do that if we like. But it's not the road that's going to lead to fruit. It's It's not the kingdom road. That's going to lead to the... Jesus says, doesn't he, in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life in all its fullness. That, that word there, fullness, is, is abundantly abundant. Abundantly abundant. If you had to measure abundance, how would you measure abundance? Well, you could have a starting point, but, but where would you put the other end? Because it's abundance, it keeps going. The, the literal phrase when Jesus says in John's Gospel, in John 10, I've come to give you life in abundance, it actually literally means abundantly abundant. So even when you get to the end of abundance, there's still abundance. That's the life that Jesus offers. Now, it's not the life that hasn't got problems. We said that at the start. He doesn't offer us that. But what he offers us is that so fullness of life that even through the challenges of life, his peace and his presence is there. Jesus says, you'll have trouble in this world, but don't worry, I've overcome the world. What I don't know about you, that makes sense to be in him. True? If Jesus says, in this life, all of us are going to get some hassle. But don't worry, I've overcome. Well, I'm with him. (laughs) I'm going to do my life in him. Why don't you stand to your feet?
Jesus said, in his day, in the days of the disciples, he said, he said there will be false prophets. There will be wolves in sheep's clothing. There will be people who will come and tell you a whole host of things. I, 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 guess, I guess in this day and age, I, 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 I guess there's a temptation to see the Christian life from two extremes. And neither of those extremes, I think, are very healthy. On one extreme, you would kind of think that, well, this extreme is that come to Jesus and your life's going to be perfect. In the sense of not having any hassles in life or nothing ever happening. And, you know, or actually, because God's a God of grace, doesn't matter what you do on your body, God will always forgive you. That's a very dangerous road. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's not about that. That's what we call liberalism. That's, that's, that's what we call slip sliding into, in, in, into dangerous ground. On the other extreme, no. You would get those who are saying that actually we don't want to be tainted this world, so we're just going to separate ourselves off. We're going to have our rules and regulations, and our Christianity is just a bunch of rules and regulations, and we're not going to, we're not going to you know, it's just all that rules and regulations. That's legalism. And that's not right either. So it's not, it's not doing whatever we want, but it's not running and hiding from society. It's actually being confident every step we take, we take with the presence of God with us. We, we, we take with the, with the peace of God in our lives. And I want to pray right now. I, I, I asked you whether you'd be kind enough at some point this week to read these verses again, but read them through the lens of this that you have a God who wants to bring peace and significance to your life. That's what makes it possible. So I want to pray in this moment, if there's anybody here this morning who is feeling that they just have not got that peace on their road. They're kind of thinking... I've been confessing Jesus as Lord, and, but it's just not changed my life. And I just, I need that connection. Or maybe you've been walking with God already and, and you, just, you just feel at the moment, you, you just, you're just taking for granted, like the, like the illustration I used at Dublin Airport, you know, you're just taking for granted your connection. You say, actually, Kevin, will you pray for me today? Because I want to, in this next week, I want to know that divine connection. So Jesus isn't just Lord by mouth. He's Lord of my heart. He's the sovereign king of my life. And his peace can fill my life. So with every head bowed and every person just, just, just in prayer at the moment, every, every eye closed, just to give people that, that personal space. If you're saying, Kevin, will you pray for me this morning? Because I just, I feel that connection is not there and I'm tempted, because of that connection is not there, I'm tempted to take the easy route. But I want the Jesus route. I want the peace and presence of God. If that's you, just put up your hand and say, will you, will you, will you pray for me this morning? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, God's such a gracious God. That's fine, you can put your hands down. There's nobody looking around. Father, I thank you that you are so big. 
We can laugh about it, we can joke about it, but the reality is you're the creator of the world. But you did come in the person and presence of Jesus. You are so big, you became so small to bring significance to our lives and we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that through your spirit you've made it possible to connect with with, with our lives, to transform our lives from the inside out. That even though sometimes the road marked before us is a tough road, we know that you're with us and we know that you've overcome the world. So I pray for those beautiful, beautiful people who have just been honest enough to respond this morning and those still in their hearts praying this through. I pray, Holy God, Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, come and bring peace where there's no peace. Bring calmness where there needs to be calmness. And I pray, Lord God, that this week would be a week of divine connection. This week where your children would know a connection with you. As you lead them on the road, as you lead them to bear fruit. That fruit which will last. That fruit that will, that will, will lead even unto eternal, eternal life. So I thank you for them, Lord God. I thank you for these beautiful people. And I ask, Lord God, that you would be with them right now by your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bless you, God.